0: Welcome back everyone. Uh, my name is Stephanie Hicks and I'm here with my co-host John Michelli, and we are the Corresponding Author Podcast, episode 19, I believe. So we're doing this a little bit early this morning, so bear with us. I've had my coffee. Hopefully John is just as excited as well. Um, and today- yeah, We usually
1: record after hours, <laughs> or not necessarily in the morning.
0: Yeah, so we'll see how this yeah. goes. But this was the best time that worked for everybody, so- um Today we thought we would talk about something that I often talk with students and postdocs about and something that I thought a lot about whenever I was um, doing my training. And it's there there's this phrase that's often used in industry of building a data science portfolio. And then in academics, there's also this phrase of building an academic portfolio that exists. And today we want to talk about, kind of that intersection of the two. What is an academic data science portfolio? Why would you want to build such a thing? How how would you know when you need to build it? What would you put in it? Um, why is it important? Things like that. That sound good, John? That sounds great. Okay, so how about you start us off and give us maybe an kind of an overview of what would you consider a data science portfolio for industry? And then what would you consider like an academic portfolio, just like a traditional academic portfolio in academia.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, the first thing, first things first is like, let's be clear, like in academia, like the CV reigns supreme over like everything, right?
0: Yes.
1: Like portfolio, whatever you say, like, nine not 99 times out of 100 when someone is like what does that person do they will almost surely go to your cv or like a google scholar page or something like that and your website so um just in academia no matter what, i think what we say about portfolios like the cv is a type of portfolio but it's but the portfolio is a little bit different but just to be clear like cvs usually reign supreme but for portfolios i think it's a lot more about practice in in many respects um in data science i think you know so DataQuest has a has a good uh, blog post about some of these things so what do employers look for extracting insights from raw data presenting those insights to others building systems that offer direct value to the customer so some of these things are very industry oriented building systems sharing your experiences with other in the organization so it's very interesting because in academia a lot of these things go through talks or presentations or um, a lot of almost all the time papers but it's Mm -hmm. very different because a lot of times in a cv which i'm not saying is an academic portfolio but the way you normally organize things it's very focused around papers right and there are presentations there are talks but you talk about like sometimes invited talks first and things like that whereas a portfolio is really um, i would say conveying information to a different audience than necessarily your peers So that would be probably more in academia, like maybe short courses or workshops and things like that. Um, And usually with a data science focus, I would say it has some sort of data analytics or like computational aspect. It's like, how do you actually do the work? Right. So that's what I see as the essence of a portfolio versus kind of a CV kind of broadly before we dig into the others. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of saying it. In general, when I think of an academic portfolio, I think of literally—I mean—a CV is kind of like the product that people end up putting together that you can communicate with someone via a, like your CV. You say, "I am communicating to you my academic portfolio via the CV." There's not necessarily like a corresponding GitHub repo like I would yeah. normally expect in a data science portfolio, and so. The three areas that I think about for an academic portfolio are just like the description and a, um, a highlights and summary of kind of your research, your teaching and educational, por- your scholarship, and then like your contributions to or service to the university or the department or your profession and things like that. But it's I really like your phrase of practice there. I portfolio feels like to me it should demonstrate more practice. But in academics, it's really like this CV that you're, um, I mean, it's most often I have found this CV that you put together, that's your portfolio. Um, and it has, it's built with like, you know, all your papers and all of the classes you've taught and all of this stuff. While in contrast, I think of the data science portfolio is something much more applied, like you said, with practice. Um, it's, we can get into kind of what that is, but I mean, it's often some kind of GitHub repo or blog posts that you've created um, that demonstrates the um, ability to not only um, uh, master some kind of technical concept, but also communicate that concept um, in a, in a yeah. certain way.
1: Yeah, I, I do think, I, I I can probably think of some examples, but anytime I hear a portfolio, especially in data science, I think of code. Just
0: In data science, yes. I think yes. of code.
1: Yes, but without
0: the phrase data science, do you think of code? Because I don't. And if it's just like academic portfolio, I don't think of code.
1: Yeah. So, I, so, in acad- so, yeah, I think you you hit the, the right mark, right? Academia stands on like three pillars for each person, right? Research, teaching, and service, right? And, yes. and data science, it's, it's very different. It's um, I wouldn't say, you know, there are aspects of all of those, but it's not like as, I think, as well-defined as that. Um, but when I hear the word portfolio, right, I, I like to think of like an artist, right? I'm I'm awful yes. at our art. Like, <laughs> I'm not like not that I'm like yes, this is, but I see them like you know like an actual physical portfolio. They open yeah. up and go yeah. through like different things they painted, and, and mm-hmm. but it shows their skill, right? That's what it does, yes. and that's why I think about data science. I think you show your skill with a GitHub repo, and you're like, look. And then people can look at it, right? Like I, I, you know, I do not uh, in any way think looking at a GitHub repo, a very elegant code, in my opinion, is the same level of beauty as seeing like fantastic art. But like some of it, you can appreciate, right? You can appreciate. It's like wow, that was really well done, really, really well documented, really well put together, and you can see the inputs and outputs, and it's like that gives value. Right? Yes,
0: that's a lot of value. Um... I think one difference for me between just a data science portfolio and an academic data science portfolio is that it's the data science portfolio can be really anything. I mean, it's really like any type of analysis where you're again trying to demonstrate some kind of technical skill and communicate it. Um, but an academic data science portfolio, it's more about um, r- demonstrating how the product or the software package or the um, web app, whatever you've built, like is working towards maybe something more related towards academics. Like um, I built this um, curriculum in R Markdown. I built a book, for example, that's really available towards building a course at this university, for example. So there's this theme or this, um, uh, what do you call it? Trend or emphasis on academic type things so whether it's again research or education or service but it's really some kind of code or some kind of website or some kind of software that you have built that's one difference in my mind
1: yeah and so i I think i think a great example of this um is your open case studies so you and a whole team of people have put together open case studies and the idea is like you know. Academia on the left hand, right, you would say, like, it would probably be a straightforward way to present, not this, but straightforward way to do this in like, you know, another department or a different way is like, I created a course. Yes. Right. It's yeah. it's like this is how many students take took it. These the the profile of those students. This is like the, um, the yeah. syllabus. Exactly. The things that you get and open case studies is, on the other hand, very different. Right. It's it's not only geared towards educating a lot of people, It's educating people not at the institution and right. a larger community, but also creating tools and. Um, a, a, a set of documents that teachers can use right? Mm-hmm. That, that allows it to be much more open and like, it's almost like open source software. It's open source education. And so that I, I see that it's not a dichotomy. It's just different emphasis on different things um, on how you would see it in an academic light versus a data science academic light.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what you were, you like, you said there is um, trying to think about the educator or the teacher. So for me, that's one difference, like in data science, Whenever I build an analysis or I'm building something, I'm always thinking about who's going to use this. Um, and in academia, it's if you're building a course, I mean, you're building it kind of for yourself to be able to teach students what you need to teach. But in in data science, I find you're off you're often thinking a lot more um, about the end user, or you're trying to develop some kind of like deep empathy of what yeah. their needs are. <laughs> Kind of like in a design yeah. thinking kind of fashion
1: so absolutely yeah i think that's that's a that's a very big difference i mean i again i told this said this in the last podcast but like i create software for one person and that person is me right but in the back of my mind i do hope that other people will use it for <laughs> myself in six months right but at the end of the day i still do think that does come into play like designing things for somewhat usability of someone Especially yourself in the future, right? Not defining things as like X or Y. It's like, oh, I created that argument name intentional, knowing that people are gonna get confused and I'm trying to make it less confusing. So it's interesting because those principles really come from a, a strong educational background in my opinion. Right? Yeah. So it's it's funny because it's it's I'm just saying it's it is a strong software development kind of stint, right? Making code that people can understand, but really a lot of those principles are strengthened by like your educational um, pushes in academia, which I I don't think that necessarily means academics make the best software, that is not what I'm proposing, but those (laughs) thoughts and those philosophies definitely do intermesh.
0: Yeah, Um, yes, okay. So, okay, I hope we've given a description of what we mean by academic data science portfolio. (laughs)
1: Well, the reason, so the other thing is the reason I brought up the CV is like, they're not, again, they're not orthogonal, but they are very, very, very different, right? Like a CV yeah. a lot of times it's like, where have you gone to school? Where's your education been? What are you currently working on? Or like, like your literal position. And then mm-hmm. it's like papers. And then it's a lot of other things like presentations and talks. And then it's other stuff. Mm-hmm. And the talks and the other stuff really are the entire data science portfolio in some respects, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, in, da- in industry, for example, I think those two things that you're describing are separated into your resume and a data science portfolio. Um, the resume yeah. would contain mm-hmm. that information that you first described, like where did you go to school and where have you previously worked? But you wouldn't necessarily find, you know, um, countless links to projects or websites or um, yeah. extensive uh, GitHub repos about all the things that you have built um, to include it in a data science portfolio Well an academic that's kind of like all muddled up. It's, I mean, if they've yeah. decided, academia has decided like a way to organize it in a, what they call a CV, a curriculum vitae, but it's, it's like all in one spot essentially.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's like, I'm not say, so there is a large effort now to make it more valued, but in many times in the past, it was like this other stuff that was interesting. Like if you've like, in, in a data science portfolio, if you made a tutorial that's a blog post that like a million people have seen, like that, you, that's like number one on your list. Where it's sure. definitely not in, in a CV, and like you know, in a portfolio, you probably won't do this, but like it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, in my opinion, if you attach a screenshot of a beautiful dashboard, right? right? And usually, yeah. it could be interactive, but like if you had to give it, like something on paper, mm-hmm. like a beautiful dashboard, whereas like you're not doing that on a CV. <laughs>
0: Well, there are these pushes to like write CVs in our markdown on websites. I mean, I forget the um exact R package that's available. There's data
1: data driven CV, I think by Nick Strayer. It yes, came thank out you. recently. Yeah.
0: So there are these pushes to kind of integrate the two, but I would say in general, that's not the norm. Like those are the exceptions to the rule right now.
1: <laughs> I, I, I like the effort, but you know, when someone's asking for a CV, they're like, give me a PDF. They give me, give a PDF. me a PDF. I, I don't want to link.
0: <laughs> but right? there's pushes and it's nice to see it, I guess. Like I just want to acknowledge that.
1: <laughs> but that, but that, I think actually now that you say that, I think that's a good definition in some respects of an academic data scientist. They have their resume, and then they have their portfolio and kind of those two together combined, kind of like Captain Planet style, like make your CV, right?
0: <laughs> and in some cases, like if you're, if you are in academia, you're a data scientist in academia, somebody will just legit want just a CV. They, I mean, they just might want that, like you can imagine if you're going through some kind of like promotion process. They do not, if the school is going to want to systemic, systematically evaluate um, a bunch of people, they want like a uniform CV. They don't want something that's dramatically different that they have to figure out where everything is in the CV. So I get that. But for the average Joe, like for the average person, <laughs> um, I find that's just not a great, not as useful. Like I, I like it to be more interactive. I liked for the person to show me what they're most proud of. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So. and and it's funny because I will say this so when I went on the market a few years ago like I in my CV I had uh, well one I had downloads next to my oh yeah um, package mm-hmm. names right so um, there's a cran logs uh, I think cran is all capitalized there's a package that I think our studio provides all the downloads for like all the packages from their uh, CRAN mirror. Mm -hmm. So this is an, you know, an R repository. So if you have a package on there and they download it from there, they can keep track of that, which is really uh, a nice service. Um, Right. There's a lot of, you know, we get, we could talk all day about like whether downloads or users and all this kind of thing are the better thing, but like that can be, that can be measured pretty easily. So I put that in my CV. And then I put like a shine, a set of shiny apps. And it was funny because, I got all across the board um, responses to that. Somebody was like, why did you put that there? And I was like, well, if you're asking that, then I think we might be on a different, we might not have the same priorities. Um, you know, it's like, I see that almost, almost, it's not the same, but as like citations for papers, like why would you put a number of citations next to a paper? Um, and, and some don't, some people don't, right? Which is which is understandable. But like the on the other end, like I had sit down interviews where, We talked like 20 minutes, half, almost more than half the time about like a random shiny app I created about like cars. It was like, it was like you have an abandoned car Baltimore shiny app. And I was like, yeah, I didn't move my car so I would get ticketed. So I wanted an app that looked at 311 and see if somebody called on my car so I would move it. And they were like, interesting. And it was like. Like 50, you know, I didn't know 50 babies, but like, you know, didn't talk a single lick about a, a paper I had, none of that stuff, so.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, Okay, I had a thought and then I've lost my thought, but.
1: Well, yeah, so I'm just saying the CV can, 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 can capture some of the things in your data science portfolio, but it is still um, oh, yeah. separated. But again, if you're in academia, I still think the CV reigns supreme and put everything that you would put in a data science portfolio in there, you know, with some caveats that like screenshots are probably not what people are used to and you can always buck the norms, just understand? Like a lot of people don't like change and don't like different things, so just be aware <laughs> of that.
0: Okay, I remember what I was going to say. Google Scholar. So um, you mentioned citations, like being able to report the number of people who've downloaded a software package or who've cited a paper, for example. I recently discovered, I can't believe it took me this long, that there's an R package called, I think Google Scholar is the name of it. And it allows you to... Um, there is a package
1: called Scholar and there's a package called Google or g site.
0: Okay. I have to go back and check which one I used. Um, but you give it the re- like...
1: The reason I know that is I wrote I wrote g site oh okay yeah and scholar (laughs) scholar is another is another person who who i battled with no no it's it's somebody who wrote something to to scrape your google Scholar page (laughs) oh no 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 go for it i love it
0: (laughs) i have to look this up in a minute but um so i well i didn't know this so i discovered this via somebody else who i saw do this and so now i've got an r script that every time I want to um, basically update my CV, I just like run this R script. It updates all the number of citations for my papers by pulling it from Google Scholar. And then I I write my my CV, my academic CV in LaTeX. So it's really easy to just put the template in R tech. Um, that way you can have R chunk or codes of R chunk that are chunks of our code, sorry. Um, And you can just like quickly pull out the number of citations. So for me, that's been really nice. And then as you mentioned, you can do the same for um, citations for software as well, so. Do you want to talk about your yeah. package? Because now I feel really um,
1: bad. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I, I don't always publicize that because we're not 100% sure if it's in line with the Google Terms of Service. Um, oh, okay. but I believe it is. I actually believe it is. If it is your personal scholar page, it is, I think, totally fine. Um, so this actually, this was probably, oh, probably like seven or eight years ago now. Um, so Jeff Leak, who's in our department, was like, I want this data. He was like, look. Scholar page, I want this data. And so uh, myself and uh, Andrew Jaffe and Jeff uh, all uh, sat down and did some work on it. And we created like a Google site. I think it was called Google Site at first. Um, and then uh, that was like an R script that Jeff had posted on Simply Stats, which is a popular uh, data science, academic data science blog that was really kind of one at the forefront from our department. And uh, pretty much it would do a word cloud right back in the day word clouds were all the things right it's so, getting started yes <laughs> <laughs> and on one side but it wasn't like you know not um, analytical it was on one side like the uh, removing some stop words like the and any articles and things like that like a and an um on one side it was the words in your titles of your papers. And on, on the other hand side, it was all your collaborators last names kind oh, of, um, you know, we didn't do anything, you know, if you you have multiple collaborators with the last name Smith, we didn't do, you know, differentiation and things like that. Um, and then we revamped it into G site. And that's, that's kind of where it it's it's now on Cran and scholar, but scholar is a much more comprehensive um, package that does Google scholar, like you know, grabs a lot of things from there, but yeah, you can get your h index. You can um, from Google Scholar. You can get some of the graphs. Uh, I will say the one thing I'm not sure Scholar has fixed. Just in case you do go into this foray, um, if you have papers with a lot, a lot, a lot of authors, mm-hmm. um, we down we make sure that I think we go to the individual. Um, paper page so we can grab all the authors so if it's like you know 15 authors dot 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 last author i think the google scholar page gives you the dot 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 so if you're really interested in in your co-authors yeah then um anyway yeah so yeah this is this turned turned into an interesting road but um okay so g G site is out there but you use (laughs) yeah so you use this to curate your cv and the downloads or the citations for your papers
0: Yes, I just have an R script inside of a GitHub repo. And inside of that GitHub repo also contains an R tech file. Because I build my uh, CV in LaTeX, mostly be driven because of uh, the, our, our school of public health has a very particular format that they like their CV in. And I just refuse to have like, or to maintain two different CVs. So I just adhere to whatever the format is that the school is in. But I do add like some special touches, (laughs) such as I add the number of citations by pulling in um, this data from Google Scholar and things like that.
1: Yeah. I think it's very interesting because how it is quite remarkable how little guidance or tooling you get for CVs for how important they are.
0: I know, right? And you can get such yeah. pushback if it's not exact. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah, but the, but that but there are other things that are like super helpful. Like I have something. I think it's like an R script that highlight that bolden, like makes bold in my CV like where my name is in author order of a paper.
0: Uh-huh. Yes.
1: Right? And like that I mean a lot of times people looking at your CV, you know, sometimes on the job market, like, let's just be clear. Like people are looking at number of papers where you sit in the author order a lot of times. And Mm -hmm. like, that's just the truth of the world. And like, if you are trying to get a job, make it easier. (laughs) Like you can, you can disagree on whether that's the right metric or not, but understand that's the metric sometimes, sometimes being used. So make it easier for, I think the people interviewing you to kind of be able to see the information that they want, whether you agree with it or not.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, let's get back to, to academic data science portfolios. Portfolios. Okay, so what is the purpose of them? Like if you, had, if you had to give like a reason, like why would somebody want to do this? You're a data scientist academia, like what's the benefit of investing the time and effort in doing this thing that's separate than just like an academic portfolio?
1: I feel like it's to show your skills with like a Z, skills Z, right? Like, <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, I think that's true though, to like show like what you can do.
0: For me, I guess, yeah, I think that's really important. But also, you, I find if you if you don't go out of your way to make this um, t- to showcase what you what you built or showcase your talent, like it's so easy for academics to just brush you aside and say, "Oh, this is not what I traditionally think of a scholarship for academia." and Um, it's, it's important to showcase and highlight what you have built and your contributions. And it's, it doesn't always fit in like an academic portfolio box, like that we like to think of. And so for me, that's the reason you want to do it. And then like, what is in it? Well, one are to demonstrate technical skills, some kind of technical skill of sorts. And then two is, is also like data storing, data storytelling, um, Communication, like being able to demonstrate, like you can take something like very complicated idea and and communicate it in a way that can maybe hopefully be understood by a broader audience. Uh, I I just think it's so important for data scientists and academia to go that extra step. (laughs) I know it's extra work, but otherwise you just, it's too easy to be um, not... Valued it. You're just gonna be like so undervalued in academia, and I don't want that. So I just think there's like this huge importance um, for data scientists in academia to invest this time and energy in creating these portfolios.
1: I no, I agree. I think I think there's a huge you. You want to always if you think this thing is important. If you think that the work you do, like you went that extra mile, or like you package it, or you're just like yes. Everybody could have done this analysis that I did, but no, not I'm not no one, but like not as many people would have done it like in this reproducible way, or I, you know, gone the extra mile and made an app, applica- a web app, or like some of these things. Like, you know, it's it's very hard in a paper to say like, look at all the extra stuff we did, right? It, it's funny because you could spend days on an app, and days, in a yeah. paper, it's like we also release an app, one line, one URL. line,
0: that's it, yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, unless, unless that's like the entire point of the paper, you're, if you're showcasing that, and it's like, so you really do need to, to go the extra mile on the portfolio side to say like, look, like, I know you're looking at this evening, it looks drab, but like, look at all these awesome things. So I think you need to do two, it for two big reasons. One, to show other people that are evaluating your work that like, hey, like you might not think X, Y, and Z is impressive, or you might, but like, look at all these other stuff that I value. That's one. And the second thing is, which is very important, is, like, you want to recruit students and postdocs and other faculty to work with you. And, like, that's – the people that get excited by that kind of stuff not, usually are the people that you want to work with and the students you want to recruit. So you mm-hmm. got to put it out there. If it's, like, I looked at their website and it said that they do this and it was, like, boring and it's, like, oh, but they showed, like, these awesome apps or these awesome things, like, that excites people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess another thing just kind of following up on that is it also shows initiative in the sense that, um, it's, it's like an, it's extra work that essentially somebody who's in data science and academia is, is now responsible for doing. I mean, like in addition to, you know, maintaining some kind of like traditional academic portfolio, you now also have to like produce, we're asking these data scientists to produce this extra thing. And so it's, you know, there's energy that you have to invest in that. And it's not always necessarily like immediately rewarded, but, um, it's one, it shows like a ton of initiative and it shows your motivation for wanting to make sure others acknowledge and are aware of your contributions. Um, in addition to all the things that we talked about, for example, making sure that your work is not swept underneath the rug, making sure your work is highlighted and valued, and um, communicating to people what are the like the most important aspects and the, the most the biggest contributions or the biggest impacts that your work has had on whatever field you're in.
1: So yeah, no, I, but like, oh, it broke my heart for a second when you were talking because. I had this glimpse in my mind that after talking about formatting the CV, you're like, this is an extra thing we have to do. And I'm like, if that becomes standard, then they're going to have another template for me to have to conform to.
0: Uh, I hope not. No, I mean, well, okay, that's a good question. Is there a standard template for a data science portfolio, academic data science portfolio? I would say no. I
1: mean, I don't think so. Uh, And it's funny because like this is, I, I personally think this is definitely one of the, many cases where like static PDF just does it, it falls short compared to like an interactive capability or like a website, right? Like you can embed the app in an iframe inside of a, like, look, I have this app. It's like, oh, you can click on it. It's just, it's like, I think at least a data science portfolio compared to like a CV is definitely meant to be explored digitally, mm-hmm. um, right? Like I think. You can, and there should be the possibility, but like mostly if you're, if you're printing out, if you're printing out a data science, academic data science portfolio, you're doing it wrong, right? Like,
0: Would you expect like maybe a website or say a, a, a GitHub, um, a person's GitHub, list of GitHub repositories, is that sufficient?
1: Um, I think it is sufficient, but like, I think the wording usually has to be a lot different. Like, I think you definitely want to say what you did on the project, but like you you talk about maybe some of the technical things that are really interesting or like, or still the insights, right? Like what does this enable other people to do? Or like you showcase like maybe a workflow or something. It's it's just not the same. You you showcase different things, but I still think a a collection of GitHub repositories is, is possible. But like, I'm trying to think like, what is... Like, it's got to be curated because what is that? How is that any different than just someone going to your GitHub and listing the repositories, right?
0: For for me, I guess the, the thing that I think about is, like, how much effort is it going to take for somebody who's looking at my academic data science portfolio? How much effort is it going to take for them to, like, by the time if they first click on whatever they're clicking on to getting the impact? I want to minimize that time. I want to minimize mm-hmm. the amount of energy it takes to... Um, understand the impact of whatever I have built. And so whether that's a website, whether that's a blog post, whether that's a list of GitHub repos, like it's kind of up to you. I mean, people are busy. People don't have a lot of time. And so um, you you want to showcase whatever you're you're trying to showcase in a way that's easily um, understood or gathered. I mean, that somebody can immediately go like, aha, that's really nice. Like I might not get everything about it. And if I want to dig into it, I can, but I get it. And I find yeah. if it's just a list of GitHub repos, there's usually more energy that's required to like sift through code, just like if it's yeah. if it's not, maybe it's like a, in a readme file, you've got some of that. Um,
1: yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking what you're saying is in some respects, you want abstracts for GitHub repos.
0: Yeah. Um, or it could be like an interactive digital abstract. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be like a list of text necessarily, but you just... Yeah, the
1: README should be that, but it definitely is not. <laughs>
0: Sometimes it's just like author name, title, and like submit GitHub pull requests here, issues here. Like that's what it is. And
1: (laughs) All right. Let's be clear. Most (laughs) times it's like, you should have a readme.
0: Yeah. Or that. Yeah. Like, don't forget, add a (laughs) readme. Yeah.
1: So yeah, because I'm thinking like with papers, right? You can go to that paper and you can get a gist of what's going on with the abstract. Whereas like GitHub repos and a lot of software, that is like all across the board. There's not, right? At least for every paper, right, I think would have an abstract. Whereas I think that is, that is one of the things where you probably have to do, put in some more work um, in a portfolio to say like, look, this is a GitHub repo, but if you read me, it's either you do it on the GitHub side, which I would probably recommend, right? Definitely fleshing your README out. You know, you can
0: actually take your readme and you can make it a website so you can actually convert your readme in a GitHub repository and just like in one line in your GitHub settings, you can just convert that into an HTML and then have like a link to a website. Um, That's like the bare minimum that you can do, but then it requires like populating the readme at least.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, so I'm saying like, I I wonder whether like I'm trying to think of like, you know, if you do the work on the readme versus you do the work on the portfolio making the abstract, I guess it doesn't really matter because you're going to copy one from the other one way but like you should definitely whatever you do in the portfolio to make a short synopsis of that project you should definitely make sure that's also on github for like Mm -hmm. everybody who doesn't know where your portfolio is sure
0: yeah um but again it's just for me it's all about like minimizing the energy that it takes for somebody to just understand what you did and and it's kind of up to you as the data science academic data scientist to decide whatever venue or mechanism that is the best way to convey this. I mean, um, yeah,
1: so I wonder, I wonder if you went by like, if you sorted by like number of commits because like I feel or like number of work because like, I feel like that really in some weird time, man- maybe not time management way, but like effort management way really gives you a, maybe a clearer picture for me, what I actually spend my time working on software wise.
0: Software <laughs> wise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean that's it's, you're gonna have bias and, and bias and everything, right? Like if you made like a great piece of software that was super stable, um, and very narrow and modular, you know theoretically you'd have fewer commits because you don't have to fix a bunch of stuff, right? So it's like you don't want the squeaky wheel getting the grease, but I mean a lot of times you know get, you know number of commits is probably isn't the worst measure, and but that's the interesting thing. you have measures.
0: There are measures, yeah. There are measures. Um...
1: Okay, so for GitHub repo, Stephanie. Okay. What are you going to put in there? You got to put the URL.
0: The README. I'm just kidding. All
1: right. <laughs> now so, that we've talked about no, this. In, no, in the README, but in the portfolio, you got the URL. Are you putting like number of commits? Are you putting number of downloads? Are you putting like number of forks or like stars?
0: Well, forks can be overrated. Like, for example, our colleague Jeff Leak has like one of the most um, highly forked repositories <laughs> on GitHub, right? <laughs> or something like that yes. because of a, a MOOC yeah. that a massive open online course that he was a part of. So yeah. I don't know. Forks, it, Forks can be cheeky <laughs> um,
1: I mean you could say the same thing about citations right? citations are for sure cheeky yeah.
0: Um, yeah so what are the criteria that I'm using to or to quantify the impact or like what is literally like, what would you of in
1: your what would you include in your academic data science portfolio for github repo um,
0: well let's just say I my portfolio is just my, I just point to my GitHub repo. Then it, then it's just a matter of like for within each individual repository, I would want to have, um, for example, maybe I would have like a list of education ones or a list of um, research oriented ones or software oriented ones. And I would want to somehow mm-hmm. like document that. Like I would want to showcase and say like, I have built these four web apps for education classes or these four web apps to explore COVID data or um, whatever it is. I would wanna like somehow organize and say, these are the main themes of what I work on. I work on COVID data, I work on data science courses, and um, these are the, a list and a summary of my contributions somehow.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So in some respects, I think that is, I, I think you maybe had struck at the heart of the difference between an academic data science portfolio versus a regular uh, an industry or standard data science portfolio. And that I still think from what you've said, at least the way you work, you would still maybe structure it in the sense of research, right? But that's research because repos. we're in
0: academia. Mm-hmm.
1: No, exactly. But I'm yeah. saying, re- yeah, research, uh, GitHub, get research repos, teaching repos, and then software repos. Which I think so. This is the thing. This is what I'm trying to drive home. Is like, right now, in, on your CV, and a lot of places, I believe, developing open source software is not only research. It's a, it is a portion of service.
0: Open source software. Yeah, so, I could argue. Right. Say right
1: yeah. So. Right. But I think there is a distinction, right? So like, I'm just saying, like, if we think of research, teaching and service, and in that sense, software comes under there, that would probably be a nice way to kind of merge the academic, you know, three pillars and the data science world, right, for your portfolio and academia, data science. Um,
0: I think that's completely fair. I I mean, there probably are probably other ways of doing it. And the thing that I'm probably being ignorant about is that there are other there are probably other topics besides research, software, and service that um, a data scientist, academic data scientist might work on. They're like There might be intersections of those three areas, for example, yeah. and it might be hard to define, like, do I put this here? Do I put this here? Like, it's kind of a little yeah. bit of both. Like you just said, service and research for software. And so it, it's a little bit more blurry. And I don't necessarily... Think you have to have like these three tiers. Like, you could, for example, just define one tier as software and not necessarily say this is research or this is service. Like, I'm just defining the tier as software and I'm going to like list for you the software that I have built. Um, But on some level in academia, somebody somewhere is going to look at that and say, like, is this research or is this software? Um, And whether that matters to your institution or not, I mean, it's kind of like up to. The institution who's evaluating you but um... yeah
1: i think i think a good i have a good example i think of that right so i have a, a piece of software called fslr or fossil r um Fossilar. so fsl is a uh very well established neuroimaging piece of software that runs on unix okay, okay? like you so i wrote a pa- an R package that literally just interfaces with it, right? So it's like, you want to call this function in this way? I, I allow some like objects pass throughs, stuff like that. But it essentially is like, you have this installed in your system, you can interact with it through R. Right. That is something that I have heard many, many times. People are like, I think that's very useful. I personally don't even interact with the software FSL anymore, except through this intermediary package. Um, so I think it's super useful. But like, I don't necessarily think that's research. I don't necessarily think that's teaching. I think that's like straight software. So I I do, I'm saying that there are things and I agree, I'm agreeing with you because some things don't fall under that tier of either one, but it's Mm -hmm. still something you want to showcase and want to demonstrate, right?
0: Yes. Yes, I agree. And of course, when it comes time for your promotion and your evaluation, there probably will be some description that you will have to write saying like, This is my contribution, just we'll say to research. This is like I view this as a contribution to research, and you have to, you know, kind of like explicitly make that connection for someone. Um, and you're hopefully your chair in your department will help also like make that clear connection of like why this product or this web app is, um, or this piece of software is research, but on some level you're also being evaluated by non-academics. I mean, you're a data scientist just sitting in academia, working in academia. And so it's not necessarily the case that you you always have to make that connection and being able to have non-academics quickly understand the value and the impact of your work is also equally important.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, in academia talk about leaving the door open for academia when you go to industry. So if you go to industry, they talk a lot about like, well, if you're still publishing that door to academia, it might still be open. And I think, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we also should have the discussion that like, not that the door of industry is ever really closed, but some of the doors of industry are not that open unless you showcase like, yeah, I know how to do software. Like if you want to transition to a standard, a a more standard data science role outside of academia, it's like, and you have like two repos, that's not going to bode well, probably during an interview, if you're getting hired to do software.
0: Right.
1: Um, Okay. And the other, sorry, the last thing I want to say is like, I have, it's it's an unfortunate number if you're a numerologist person, but I have 666 repos.
0: Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the reason I have, it's a bunch of forks. (laughs) Oh yeah. I also have a bunch of like everything I do is GitHub Mm -hmm. is on GitHub, more or less, like Mm -hmm. version control and things like that. So I'm just saying, like, you need to showcase and curate that because uh, sometimes it's very hard, especially on, um, on GitHub to, you know, especially if you're a collaborator on a project to be like, you know, you might, I might not be the owner of a repo. But like, I might do so much work for that, right? Like we have the Hopkins data science lab and, and, you know, it's good because we have an organization, we can centralize things, but like, they're not quote unquote, you know, my username is J 2 but it's not like J 2 repo. So it might seem like, oh, that's not his. It's like, actually, no, that is my repo. It's just on a different organization. So I'm just saying the curation is necessary.
0: No, that's a fair point. So I haven't thought about that aspect of it because I only have 70, I think, or something like that. So for me, that I hasn't even like crossed my mind that that would be. I mean, I guess 70 is also like a non-trivial amount of numbers, a non-trivial amount of repos. Yeah. But 600, <laughs> you're blowing my mind. Well, uh, so
1: this, so this, so this does lead me into one uh, additional point I want to make, and that is not this is you know a little gripe, but academia I have right now, and I believe a strong strongly that the GitHub pull requests and helping other people to get their software or fixing bugs, fixing issues for other people, sometimes it's just like what happens when you're working on a project. Like That doesn't work this way. Oh, I know what's happening. I can fix it. Right. Right. And that is, in my opinion, a hundred percent service
0: that is true. But how do you quantify that in academia?
1: That's really hard, right? So we, you know, we in our group run this, uh, our repository called neuroconductor. So a lot like there's, I think over 100 packages in there, like I have a large number of them. But like, for example, like, almost all of them, I've sent at least one or two pull requests to, to try to get them to conform to our standards in a way we try to really help you know, the collaborators. So that's why I probably have like an extra like 50 to 70 or hundred, you know, sense. repos and stuff like that. So it does seem like, like, oh my gosh, she has so many. It's like a lot of them aren't mine. A lot of them are fixes, but like, it is very hard. Like you said to quantify or distinguish, like I actually helped out a bunch of people that I don't even know.
0: Wow. Yeah. Right. I don't have a good answer to that. Um... Besides just like quantifying the number of repos in which like you would say that falls under that category. But even then, it's hard for an academic, like a yeah. traditional academic to understand the benefit of that. Like they might say, why are you wasting your time? You're not publishing a paper. And you're like, I am. I'm, this is like a service to like ultimately you sometime down the line um, when maybe a student is going to use this software. So yeah, it's hard to explain that.
1: And sometimes I feel the same way about reviewing for specific journals. Why are mm. you doing that?
0: Yeah, that's a good and, point.
1: And, and, and we, that is another can of worms we do not For
0: another get. day. <laughs> for another day.
1: <laughs> for another day.
0: Um, okay, so let's, let's give right, like so just wanna, an Give us a give quick synopsis of what you think. Oh, okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna like talk about like I right, was gonna example. say, give us a
1: synopsis of what you think.
0: So I think that there probably are a couple of types of portfolios you might want to demonstrate, like um, you might want to demonstrate skills that are around like data cleaning and data wrangling. So there's a lot of, you know, messy data out there on the web. Maybe you want to demonstrate the ability to pull data from an API. Maybe you want to demonstrate the ability to wrangle text with regular expressions. So I can imagine like many different types of repos that uh, basically like require exploration and cleaning of different types of messy data, or it could be types of uh, repositories or analyses exploring different types of questions. Um, but on some level, you're trying to demonstrate some kind of technical skill. And there are a lot of technical skills that you could you know demonstrate in the use of data science or data analysis. So... I think I'm leaving this vague because it's it's hard to like wrap all of that into you know one thing. I'm just trying to give examples. Um, but it, in this repository that you're building or this analysis that you're going to build and contribute to your portfolio, there's usually some kind of messy data. There's usually some kind of question you're trying to answer. Um, you're demonstrating the ability to clean and wrangle it. You're demonstrating exploration of data. I I find that's one of the most undervalued things that whenever I read or I, I'm learning about somebody's data science, academic data science portfolio, they usually like clean the data and then they jump right into a model or they jump right into an algorithm. And I don't have like a strong sense of what the data are or like why are you picking this particular model. And I find if you are willing to invest the time and energy in showcasing some plots or showcasing like the, the essence of like why you chose a linear model or polynomial model versus a linear model, or why you chose this algorithm versus this, it helps me as a reader kind of understand. And then also just like the, 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 the contributions of presenting your results and communicating it in an effective storytelling way. Um, that is also another undervalued aspect I find of building a data science portfolio. What are like some things that you would expect?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think.
0: I guess it's like for a data analysis, but then there's also like software that that's not necessarily maybe like a vignette would kind of follow that a little bit, but
1: yeah, it's interesting because that yeah, I think that you hit something that's really hard to communicate. That like I have seen some people who really, really do exploratory data analysis well and fast, and like I wouldn't say rigorous is not the right word, but just like they explore, they don't exhaust everything, but they explore the, the space of the data well.
0: Yes, they do. Yeah.
1: And and it's hard to convey that in an analysis or a repo. Um, and weirdly enough, sometimes I find that in just like one, the date, the weirdly the structure that they've structured a project, like the folder structure sometimes. I'm like, oh, like you could be a terrible data analyst. But if I see you have like standard, like, you know, I have like code data results, raw data folder, like if you have a structure to that, I'm already like, maybe they know what they're doing. <laughs> maybe. Um, but like, usually, it'll be like an R Markdown document that is just like a bunch of things with comments in there. That's like, I saw this, we did this. Um, so from the data analysis point of view, I think it's probably hardest to convey the EDA and all the cleaning you've done, but like that can be shown in like the extensiveness of the cleaning, right? Like if you have a hundred, you know, like a thousand lines of code cleaning the data, I'm like, that data is probably, they, they probably saw a lot of stuff, right? So data, did, yeah. yeah. But but data cleaning, like really, you know, the tr- truth of it is, if you get some data that's really all over the place, like it takes a lot of code to sometimes get it right and so just saying like data analysis scripts like showcasing like this is how much it took to clean the data somehow is really useful in a repo but Um, there's
0: some level of curation that you want i mean similar to when you write a paper like an academic paper you're not going to showcase every single analysis that you did like there's a level of curation and a lot of like an editorial aspect of picking and choosing what to show and so in a portfolio the I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say you would want to showcase everything. Like, you you would want to curate it. And if you're going to write a blog post, for example, um, you you curate that and you say – you maybe say, like, I also explored this, but this was, like, a terrible reason because of the following, like, ABC. Yeah. Um, or maybe, like, you summarize, you create, like, scripts and say, like, I would created a script just because I had, like, a thousand lines of code to wrangle the data. Um, and now I'm just going to, like, point you to that. If you want to know more about it, you can go there. But I'm just going to focus on the modeling aspect or I'm going to focus on this aspect of it. So I think it's yeah. important to curate, I guess, is my point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the, at the end of the day... I think if you're creating a portfolio, you know, there's many different audiences just like your CV. But the, the question, the thing is like, what are you trying to convey? It's like, usually like I can do X, right? Some sort of, you know, task well, or like if you want someone who, who like knows how to do something, like I'm the person to go to and trying to pitch yourself like that,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: If you're trying to get like a job or, or like you're trying to put a grant in or something and saying like, look, like, you might not be sure if I can do this. Here is concrete examples of like, I can do what I'm saying. I can,
0: do, you can do this. Yeah. And then, of course, it's like good fodder to bring up if you're ever interviewing and things like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and the other thing is like excite people. Like some of the cool stuff are like just web apps that like do fun stuff that like, it's just like, listen, I have done papers that I feel very proud of, um, <laughs> but they're not the most exciting, right? Like sometimes. <laughs> And I mean that like not of the content and like the the results, but it's just like, yeah, okay. Like that result seems pretty reasonable that, 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 you know, for that disease. And it's like, but look at this app that can like tell you where your car is. It's like, you know, sometimes people get excited by flashy stuff. It's like th- throw a little bit of hype in there. Get them excited about you.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you talked about like software or web apps. What would you yeah. expect to see if you're trying to demonstrate that, not a data analysis necessarily, but you're trying to demonstrate yeah. a piece of software or a web app that you built or something like that, or something that you built for the, a classroom. What would be the best venue or show, way to showcase that? I mean, one idea is like a vignette. So that often yeah. is included as part of a software package, for example. But that's not necessarily, I mean, maybe that's what you showcase.
1: Yeah. I, I yeah I, that's that's hard so yeah I think we, we we definitely should expand like portfolios aren't just GitHub repos right so like um, definitely web apps uh, sometimes like I would even say maybe testimonials mm-hmm. um, of like people yeah. saying like this person you know LinkedIn said he's good at analysis I don't know um, something like that but but for web apps I you got to put either I think a screenshot or just like something where you something where it really captivates a person like I want to click that. I'm gonna click that and see what it does. Like, right? That's what you want. You want someone to look at that. It's like I got. I gotta see what this is, right? right. Um. Yeah. So, however, you can do that. Forget get to get them to click on the link and actually view the app. Like, do it. Clickbait. Clickbait. Click. Yes. Clickbait. Click, clickbait.
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, what are now? I'm gonna be a little judgy when you first start exploring somebody's GitHub repo or their data science, academic data science portfolio, what are some like key things that immediately you clue in on that you're like, that's, that might suggest this is somebody who knows what they're doing or doesn't know what they're doing or somebody who's, you know, experienced versus not like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like say you're starting to look through somebody's GitHub um, repos and they don't make a lot of commits or, another example would be um, they have a ton of open issues like do you view that as a positive thing a negative thing like maybe they just work on one or a couple of things very extensively or maybe they just don't care about issues or maybe they don't have enough funding to invest the time and energy to address these issues like you can perceive those good and bad and I don't know what you how you think right, about I'm going
1: them. even I'll I'm, I'm go a step back like, okay zero, zero thing I'm like, do you have Do you have a standard avatar? Get out of here! Like that oh. is, I, I'm sorry. Like that <laughs> is like the egg on Twitter. I'm like, if if you interact with software a lot,
0: uh-huh. like,
1: and you have a standard avatar, I'm like, that maybe it's just me, but that eventually will annoy me enough to change it.
0: But is that just personality? Like, I mean, it could just be somebody who's like super lazy, and it's like, why do I need to do this?
1: That that then that tells me they're super lazy. Like, I don't know. That's we're being judgy. I know
0: we're being judgy. Hey, I'm
1: no, I'm being one hundred percent judgy. If if I see you have if you have a GitHub and it's the standard, like uh whatever um is the is an alien? What is it? It's from um.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think it I was
1: mean, Arche- the Arcadian. Oh, I can't remember, like Galactus or something. I, I forget. But if if you have that, then I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um,
0: okay, so standard advertiser versus not. What else? Yeah,
1: but like issues issues are a mixed bag because there's a couple. There's like I think one open issues is totally misleading because you want really the ratio of open to closed, mm-hmm. right? Or open to total. The second thing is. Like if you have a lot of issues, that usually I think means most times one of two things. One, you do a lot of your project management on GitHub, and and you are very adamant about putting issues, and that's how you kind of knock things out.
0: If that's if they come from you, but what if they come from others?
1: Yes, that that is, but that is usually one way for a lot of issues. The other way is like you have a piece of of you have a thing that other people use a lot.
0: Yeah, that's another way of putting it. Yeah,
1: and and usually, so I will say this. Like if you have a thousand issues, I don't know. Maybe that's a lot. That's a lot of issues. Um, But like, so I'm not going (laughs) to necessarily out of the gate discount someone for having a lot of open issues. Um,
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It could be good and bad. I just was curious how you perceive
1: it. In both settings, I initially think it's good, right? You you do project management, okay, in that way. Or like you have something that's popular. Now I have to get into the repo to be like, you know, gotta, gotta see like, okay, that one, that one's about like 10 years old or that's five years old. Okay. And like, there's been no movement. Um, you know, then you might get a little bit more judgy, but again, like there's bots and stuff that like close stuff out. So I'm saying a lot of issues are not out of the gate bad. Um, but if you have a lot of really old ones and don't clean it up, then I'm probably going to be a little bit like, I don't know if they're really working on this, but really the other thing, the last thing I'll say is like, I look and I'm like, when was the last commit
0: Mm. on a repo?
1: If it was like two days ago, I'm like, yeah, they're working on it.
0: Okay. But let me pick on you for a second. You have 600 plus repos. So you can't possibly, you know, be actively maintaining those. No, they're all all about No, I'm kidding. (laughs) So, I mean, how do you suggest like keeping all of that? And then does that like reflect poorly on you that you're not, you know, actively making commits to all of them?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I could probably clean up a lot of forks I have. That that's a that's a maybe a, a, a you know GitHub hoarder. Maybe I'm a GitHub hoarder. Oh, um,
0: personalities. I like where this is going.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's the case because I'm just saying like um, I, I I wish. So I, I don't know. I have to look into the GitHub API a bit, but you, I I'd want to be able to curate it where someone could click and say like these are like I am not a. It's not a fork. This mm-hmm. is my. Yeah. versus all those other things to be able to like get a better accurate picture because I agree um, a, yeah I, I don't know I don't I, I'm, I'm thinking about like whether I should delete those forks or not and I don't have a good answer for you
0: I I don't either I'm this is just like purely for fun um, so for me I also look at the last time a commit was made and I if it's like a piece of software that's going along with like a paper I mean I have projects that I for sure haven't made a commit to in quite some time and it still works and I mean they're like maintained on Bioconductor build systems for example so I know that they compile and I know that the software runs otherwise Bioconductor will gladly send me an email saying your software no longer works and you need to update it but then there are just you know random pieces of uh, random repositories that are not sitting on like some build system maybe GitHub Actions would be a way to kind of curate that
1: that's what I'm um, saying. Like ba- you know what? Badges matter.
0: Badges.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say badges matter. Like not all badges. Some badges don't matter at all. Like, um, but ba- like I, they inform badges, inform me about stuff. Like if, is it passing our command check? Like, and now with GitHub actions, that is like one line of code in R and you are set up for GitHub actions and you are moving along. So like if you have a, uh, uh, check badge from GitHub Actions, if you have a crayon badge, just tell me the number of downloads with the uh, the version that's on there. Like those things lend some credence to me that like this person went through a couple extra hoops to make sure this stuff works. Right, right.
0: Um, And then I guess another thing that I often think about is documentation. So I mean, whether it's a software Package or whether it's documenting or commenting, like uh, it's not just like if you're writing a blog post and it's just code, 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 and there's not a lot of like narration or, or um, storytelling that kind of goes along with it and it's like interpretation of what's happening. And, and the corresponding um, would be like documentation in a software, like explaining what does this function do, why, how would you use it, thing like that. So whether it's software or whether it's analysis or whether it's web app, like I, I find the use of documentation to be really important in my, I guess, judginess. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm more interested and more excited about something when I can, I mean, I can read the R code or I can read the Python code. And I mean, I, of course, you know, it may, may take me a minute, but if somebody's willing to like document all of that, I'm greatly appreciative, I guess, is a way of saying it.
1: Yeah. I mean, and so, so to that effect, I will say like, um, if you have like a, a short or not well-documented readme, that doesn't necessarily hurt you. But if you have an extensive readme, that helps you.
0: That helps. That really does. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, I, yeah, and I think if you've put, again, back to back, if you put your your code on a standard repository, that leads, lends some credence that you went through some extra hoops to get it to work and you want other people to use it. So... Um, yeah. So I think for a GitHub repo, those are some good rundowns. Um, I'm actually thinking, so just lastly with the portfolio, mm-hmm. the way I actually see it now is almost like a slide deck, right? So that like, if you were to give, like, let's say, I don't know if if, if all of you have been to like a Dean's lecture or like, or a lecture that kind of gives you like a 30,000 foot view of what your, what you do. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, you should be able to encompass every one of your like things, uh, items on your portfolio as like one slide.
0: So you're talking, you're thinking about like talks now. I mean, it kind of in a sense. Like, if you I, had to give a talk yeah. on your data science portfolio, not just necessarily like a talk on one project, but could you give a talk on your portfolio as a whole? And what, yeah. that could manifest as like a slide yeah. per project.
1: I like. I think if if you gave. Like I mean, you know, sixty minutes or a minute a slide, something like that. But like, I think yes, I think there should be almost a one to one correspondence between the blurb and the thing and an item in your portfolio and a single slide in a slide deck. If someone were to say, like, from a data science point of view in academia, what do you do? There should be almost a one to one correspondence.
0: Would you consider this like an optional thing or more of like an expected thing, like a more required thing for a portfolio, a data, academic data science portfolio?
1: I will say as someone who doesn't have one, I hope it does not become expected because that just means more work, Right. but um, I think if you are do, I would still, okay. So I don't think it's required, but you should probably have the machinery or the content or whatever, almost together in your CV. And if you don't, then that means to me, usually you are not putting enough. You are not showcasing your data science work enough in your CV.
0: Mm, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So we got shiny, we got web apps, we got, um, maybe oh. some blog posts. We have GitHub repos. What about like,
0: like competitions? Like people who, oh, con- yeah. who compete in that? How would you showcase? Sorry. I know we're running a little bit past the hour now. What, like where, how would you fit that in to a portfolio? Like I competed in a Kaggle competition and I'm, you know, hundredth place or something. I mean, what, what would you yeah. do?
1: Well, uh, so I think you would put probably your rank, um, probably how many people competed in there, uh, the content, yeah. you know, what is the target of the competition? Because like, if you got 10th place and there were 10 people, you know, That's okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I probably could have got template doing, doing nothing out of 10 people, I'm not trying to discount that. But if you got 10th place out of like 10,000 people. Like it, you don't have to win it to show that like you were highly competitive. But like, uh, yes,
0: how would you convince an academic, like a traditional academic, that you know the time and energy that you invested in this competition is is useful? Yeah. Is like, is that academic or, I mean,
1: is that scholarship? Is that, that scholarship? Yeah, <sighs> I don't think so necessarily. Um, to me too. It hurts- I- pains me to say that, but I don't think so. Um, I do think it shows a rather I, kind of rare skill set that like you can take a data set on your own or with a small team, do something quickly and effectively in a short turnaround time frame, which is um, sadly, as we saw with COVID and some of the COVID related work, that is not how academia works.
0: I will say, yes, I totally agree. I will say the only, the the, the best positive spin that I've seen on competitions is to write a paper of like basically summarizing all the results of what you and your teammates and your competitors found. Like if, you know, you came in third place, for example, out of 10, you know, somebody won that competition and somebody, like the people who lost that competition, and they're usually reasons for that like the, this model was the best and this these models performed the worst what was it about the models that performed well or did not I mean that you can learn from that like as a field yeah. going forward but it's usually in the form of a paper at that
1: point the, the problem with that is most times so like Kaggle is 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 a kind of a different cut above but like there are other grand challenges I've competed in with like imaging segmentation and stuff like that the problem with that is in some respects um that paper is usually run by the, is, is usually yes. written by the organizer. Yes. You contribute yes. a small blurb to that and you can write an additional paper about it. But like, um, you know, I would say the largest impact comes from the organizer's paper of all the comprehensive results.
0: That's a fair statement. Yeah. But that's like, I guess in my mind, the only, uh, like the, the best positive spin that I've seen on it, which is not again, ideal.
1: Well, I, I will say this, right? So I think we are coming at this in some respects from probably a faculty point of view. And, you know, there are a lot of people who
0: oh, yeah. now
1: have done uh Coursera or edX or, or a lot of different skill development online that mm-hmm. they don't have a formal degree for, but like the portfolio, if you want to stay in academia or go in academia, allows you to showcase these things that, like, hey, like if you look at me as a candidate for, like, this position to do data analysis, you know, data wrangling, data management, data, you know, all these types of things, my CV might not rise to the top, but this portfolio is going to blow you out of the water, right? Like, That's a good so, point. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, from a, maybe, not from a, I wouldn't say a faculty, but, like, especially non-traditional data analysts, right? Data analysts are coming from every field now, right? Like, mm. a lot of biology and things like that, that, like if you saw like, what degree do you have? And it was like a hard science and you're like, hmm, why are they applying to this? Usually I think that shines in the data science portfolio.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that, yeah. Um, all right, so I don't wanna, we should probably wrap up with some final thoughts. What are- So, you
1: do, have- so I guess last things, I'm just asking, so do you have anything, I mean, blog posts, like do you, would you put Twitter on there? like what else is there anything else you would put in there that we've kind of like glaringly left out
0: I don't know if I'd put twitter on there i think of twitter more as like sci communicate or science essentially like the ability to communicate science to a broad audience and twitter is like one case one way of showcasing that blog posts are another yeah. but blog posts can also you know fall under the category of data science academic data science portfolios as well um, I guess I think at, at the end of this discussion, I've learned that there's no template for this. There's a yeah. variety of ways that you could showcase this.
1: Um, I still but- think Sci- like YouTube would fall, fall under SciCon, But like, for example, I have a YouTube playlist of how to develop an R package and build an R package. Like that kind of stuff, I would still probably put on a data science portfolio for sure.
0: I Yeah. And I've also seen a lot of people move towards live coding. or like...
1: Like Twitch or live streaming, yeah.
0: Yeah, via I mean, to, and that's like kind of at the intersection of maybe a data science portfolio and psychom, because you're communicating, yeah. but you're also like showcasing a set of skills in a video format. So yeah, that's a and interactive.
1: Sure. Usually, you know, you have commenters if you have people like saying like, "Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that?" It's it's an interesting medium that I think will be explored a lot further in the in the coming years.
0: I think so too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I don't know about you. But whenever I had like learned EDA, or some of these things, I would like, I wouldn't necessarily like, I remember sitting with my like an advisor or a more senior student or something. And it's like, I'm doing this. and They're like, "All right, this is what I would do. And they would just like blow through like, a bunch of stuff in like a minute. And I was like, my brain just just, like melted. But I was like, Okay, I will pick up I, I picked up some of that by watching other people actually do analysis, which is like, you know, in academia, it's super rare.
0: It's super rare to see that, but it's one of the best ways to, to learn that skill of how do you know when to do what next, because you've seen somebody else do it and they've like talked you yeah. through it kind
1: of. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe it'll be like, you know, in the future, it, you know, live streaming full on data analyses, you know, obviously if there's no HIPAA concerns and like everybody's on the IRB or something like that to see the data, but like, maybe that will be like the way we really get this apprenticeship model um, kind of more off the ground for data science.
0: Maybe, yeah. yeah. It's definitely more efficient than like a one-on-one apprenticeship. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So, last question. So, okay. you, um, if you're listening, and you're like, maybe I should do one. What would you say?
0: Where to start?
1: Where to start, or should you do one? Like, you're like, you have only so much time in a week. Like, should you do one right now?
0: If you're, if you consider yourself a data scientist, and you're sitting in an academic setting, absolutely do it. Because at some point somewhere, somebody's going to start to say, can you show me what you've done? Can you show me like, who you are, what you do? And if if that doesn't exist already, make it because it's, yeah. again, just too easy to have your work undervalued in academia. Like it academia is a Uh, It can be a big, overpowering thing. And if you don't conform to the way academia works, it's often very hard to stand out and get recognized for your work. So absolutely do it (laughs) if you don't have one. Um, Where to start? I would, as you said, like GitHub repos are a great way of doing that because those can build websites. Those can build shiny apps. Those can create software. It's a way to store a lot of disparate pieces of projects and information and analyses in one place. Um but then again I like the way you said it you need to have some kind of summary or slide deck that um curates that for somebody who's going to evaluate you or somebody who's going to be interested in your work and wants to know more about it and wants to talk about it. What about you? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I would say make sure all your like v- v- I would say if you're going to consider this definitely consider it but 100% make sure All of the stuff that like you do that might in any way look favorable to you, put that on your CV for for sure.
0: Your academic CV.
1: Your academic CV, like repos, like you don't have to go, like not to the same level, but like definitely if you're developing software, put that somewhere. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If you're developing apps, put that somewhere. If you're writing blog posts, put that somewhere.
0: I also, yeah, I put that in my CV as well. I just don't think it's highlighted to the same no. degree that a, a, an academic data science portfolio would be.
1: It's not, and and like I will say this: if you are trying to recruit students, if you are looking for a new position, a hundred percent take the time to do this. I'm ju- I'm not I, I'm not saying you know over the course of your career you should definitely do it. I'm just saying with time being strapped, I don't know if I would recommend someone like. Everyone to do it, but definitely under a lot of specific conditions. If you're going for promotion, absolutely or do something.
0: Even if you're just an applied student in a department, yeah. like if you consider yourself um, an applied biologist or an applied chemist or something like that, being able to dem- demonstrate kind of the skills and the communication that you have acquired up until that point in your career, that's super yeah. important as well. So, yeah.
1: I think that's a a great lead in to end with, um, that after the discussion you and I had about the software, um, award, we, you know, you and I, we actually talked to our chair. We're going to go forward with that. So like, that is another reason to do your portfolio is that you might get awards. Yeah. Yeah. At
0: Hopkins, we are moving forward, (laughs) with awarding our students.
1: And the the ASA has a, has a software, best software paper, I believe award in the, um, Maybe it's the data science or the computational statistics section. I don't know, but there have awards there. And lastly, I want to congratulate Stephanie for the COPS Leadership Academy 2021. Well, one of uh, was it nine
0: uh, people? Yes, it's um just the launch of the Leadership Academy written by the American Statistical Association. Nine people were inducted, and um, there'll probably be a virtual Zoom <laughs> announcement at JSM or the Joint Statistical Meetings in August. So, yeah, it's good. I'm really just excited to give back to the community that has been um, so kind to me and so accepting, and so I'm looking forward to working with the other folks in the uh, the group to figure out how to best do that.
1: All right, we'll talk. Yeah, and we'll talk about what that academy does and is like, on a future podcast, and so you can go and into- into it in more detail
0: that sounds good all right thanks everyone take care
1: as always you can follow us on twitter at correspond auth or my handle is strictly Stat and stephanie's is stephanie hicks and you can email us at the corresponding author at gmail.com
0: what episode is this 19 19, sorry. 19. thank you okay.
1: 19 or
0: do you want to do the intro today
1: nope Right. I always I always have the outro, so I'm giving oh, an
0: intro. Oh I see. Unless no. you want me to. No, no, this is good.
1: Welcome back.
0: <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs>
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we're, doing this,
0: Jams. we're doing this exciting style.
1: To Jock Jams 2021. <laughs> so you think you can dance 5,000. <laughs> okay. Uh This episode was edited by Jessica Crowell and special thanks to the Data Science Lab for their help and support.